You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode number four. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're choosing the Q's Podcast, where we'll talk to industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. In this podcast episode, we'll explore enterprise risk management with Vincent Huey. He is Senior Director of Cornerstone Advisors Incorporated. At Cornerstone, Vincent leads the planning and delivery of large-scale change initiatives, linking strategic goals and priorities to operational initiatives and execution and ultimately to financial performance. Some key takeaways from my interview with Vincent include defining enterprise risk management, reasons to consider enterprise risk management, identifying limitations of ERM, and identifying the benefits of ERM in terms of strategy, performance improvement, and the right risk trade-offs. Let's jump right into my conversation with Vincent Huey. Welcome, Vincent Huey, to the Q's podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, James. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for being part of it. Sure. I thought we would take some time today to discuss distinction between traditional risk management and ERM, that is enterprise risk management. So we might as well start off the podcast by asking the question, what is ERM? Okay. That's a great question. Uh, Let me start off by saying what ERM is not. ERM is not compliance on steroids. It's not putting controls and boundaries around what we do. And that's pretty important because I've had some clients who have implemented what they believe is an ERM model, but it really is compliance on steroids. And probably no surprise to you, James, many of the business folks call risk management at that point the business prevention office as opposed to the risk management office. That's one aspect. Another aspect of what it is not, it is not a program. I hear a lot of credit unions and also banks, quite quite candidly, talk about an ERM program. We really think about it as more as a model, right? An ERM program really puts a box around stuff. Uh, An ERM model is really around good business practices, which incorporates risk. And um, that's one thing. The other thing about uh, calling it an ERM program is that oftentimes people saying, hey, it's a program. It's that guy's job. It's not my job, right? Let them do it. I'll help you out if I can, but if I can't, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm confident that you'll still do what you need to do. And that's not really the intent of an ERM model or, or enterprise risk management overall, because it's really around the entire enterprise, the E part, and not just about the risk function. Um, so that's why we we really encourage our, our, our clients and, and credit unions in general to, you know, even though it's one, a difference in one word, it makes a big deal because it really is much as uh, much of a journey in addition to kind of specific roadmaps and and things that we would need to do to kind of better manage our risk. It's a model. It's a it is a model. That's what the, that's the term we would encourage everybody to use. You, you know how do what's our ERM model? How mature is it? And that's pretty important because we all do risk management today. It's more on the maturity of how we're doing it, given our business model and our size and what we hope to do as part of our strategies. And that's really want to talk about what, let's talk about what ERM is okay. versus what it's not. What ERM is, is really the ability to define what level of risk you want to take on, not just credit, not just ALCO, but the full range of risk. How do we measure it? How do we manage it? Who owns it? What's the oversight mechanisms? The good news, as I mentioned before, is people manage risk today, and it's just a matter of uh, applying or exporting 
the risk structures that we have in more mature areas like credit, like ALCO, to all risk types that the NCUA has defined. So why should we care? Well, that, that, that's a great question because a lot of people think about risk management as being dead money, right? I'm spending a lot of money putting in place stuff. I think a lot of the reason why we care is you really want to define good business practice. When we work with clients a lot and we look at the maturity level of their ERM, we also find a lot of performance improvement opportunities, not just say, hey, you're taking too much risk or too little risk, right? Let me give you an example. Uh, most credit unions compete on service, right? But if everybody competes on service, where's the basis of differentiation? So a lot of people are focusing on member experience. But I think we all know if we get something differentiated, whether we do things faster or better, with enough time and money, people can replicate it. So we call it kind of the member experience arms race. Nice. Okay? And uh, one of the key uh, risks that the NCOA has identified and that we focus on as part of our ERA model is around strategic risk. Our ability to continue to drive value and be differentiated in the minds of our members. You know, so it's not about compliance there. It's really thinking through what can we do better? How do we manage that risk? And that's really where the distinction between traditional risk and ERM comes into play. Traditional risk, for the most part, has been around compliance, has been around operational risk, really around preventing badness. Yeah. Right. And ERM is broader than that. It's meant to not only manage badness, but also really better understand the whole risk return trade off. And that's really important because a lot of people focus on the risk of risk return and not so much on the return. So when we talk about ERM, it's really looking holistically and not just the threats, but also the opportunities that we have and how much risk do we want to take in order to pursue those opportunities, particularly in the context, for example, of enterprise, um, excuse me, uh, uh, member experience. Okay. Do we want to continue to be innovative? Do we continue to be differentiated? Well, great. Well, that's going to cost money. And sometimes don't things don't pan out. Are we okay with that? Now, does that have anything to do with compliance? No. But is risk part of that discussion? Of course it is. We always talk about innovation. Every institution we work with says we need to innovate. Uh, but they never ask the other question, which is, well, how much money are we potentially willing to lose? Because innovation entails risk, right? If you think about who the biggest innovator is, and if you ask a poll of people, you know, they would probably say who? Steve Jobs? So innovation. So he was very innovative with the first Mac, mm -hmm. with the first iPad, iPod, right? But he also had some pretty spectacular failures where he lost a lot of money mm -hmm. for his stakeholders. So innovation is a double-edged sword. Oftentimes we get so excited about the shiny object, we don't think about what the risk profile and potentially how much, how much money we lose or sub-optimize because of that. And that's really an example of how, why ERM matters, it's not just about preventing us from getting written up by the NCUA. Right. That's important. I don't want to dismiss that, but that's just one piece of it. So enterprise, that is a great example of what you described here is enterprise risk management is comprehensive. That's a big distinction between the two. Are there any other limitations then for ERM? I don't think there's much limitations. It's only the limitations that we see are really more around engagement from the executive team and the board. All right. Oftentimes, there's a high level of maturity and engagement on credit and ALCO, and that's understandable because those are the type of risks that can take down an organization, right? But when you talk about operational risk, reputational risk, 
there's not as much engagement because it's usually all oh, somebody's somebody else is handling that you know um, oh that's another thing we need to do um, and doesn't add value to what we do but remember what I said it's about good business practice that actually hopefully uh, and should drive performance improvement that should be something that all executives and the board should be uh, should be happy about but the challenge is oftentimes when they say risk management oh let's do a risk management project or let's look at ways to improve our risk management model they're thinking about health oh, okay great compliance on steroids and that's not the intent and that's where the the limitations or the obstacles are to really good ERM what are the benefits what are more benefits of ERM in terms of strategy performance improvement and the right risk trade-offs okay so let's let's take each one of those um, with respect to strategy the most important aspect at least from a risk profile perspective with strategy is how much volatility do you have in your strategy and what I mean by that is oftentimes people have strategic planning sessions which are great and then one of the outputs of the strategic planning sessions are three or five year projections but I think we all know as soon as those projections come off the laser printer, they're going to be wrong, right? So our job, both as the board and the management, is how much volatility is there from our best case or most likely case, because that's really risk, right, both on the upside and the downside. And where it's going to become even more impactful in the future, James, is when risk-based capital comes into play in 2019. And people need to really think about what my business mix is, Right now, in the current regime, all things are created equal. In the future, different assets uh, have different costs to them. And both boards and management will need to take on a little bit more of an active role in figuring out what is my business mix as a way to make sure that we have the right level of capital you know, going forward. Because unlike banks, we don't have access to secondary markets. Um, but there's a silver lining here. Banks have been doing that type of stuff for a long time. So there's some things that we could leverage there that could be very effective in, in the credit union space. So that way, we have a much better uh, management of our capital going forward, much better capital management planning. And uh, and that's important because capital management today, as you probably know, James, is more is better. And while that might work in the current regime, it doesn't really work um, uh, on the RBC side or on the risk-based capital side. Uh, the other, the other two uh, parts again. Performance improvement okay. and the right risk trade-off. Okay. So the performance improvement, uh, I think I mentioned it before. As we look about whether it's a, a member experience or uh, looking at uh, activities that put controls in place. So let me let me give an example. Most lending typically spans multiple departments, right? And within each of those apartments are effective controls, hopefully, on what they do. Make sure everything's complete, it's accurate, so on and so forth. But those departments just look at one piece of the overall process. One of the underlying, uh, one of the underpinnings for ERM is, is really looking at things not at the departmental level, but at a process level, right? particularly when it comes to risk assessments. And one of the things we find is, you know, uh, you've probably heard the term checking checkers, checking checkers, checking checkers. You know, yeah. you have multiple levels of review. Everybody's for the most part doing the same thing, but nobody knows that other people are doing it because they're so focused on their particular silo. So that's an example of performance improvement because where uh, one of the aspects of ERM is we look at it at process related risk assessments. You can see, well, do we really need to have three groups of people doing a hundred percent QC? 
for one loan? The answer generally is no. And that gives you an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to still have the same level of effectiveness in terms of managing my operational risk, but I'm going to get more efficient in doing it. So that's an example of where uh, performance improvement can do that. Now, in terms of risk trade-offs, very similar in that when we make decisions, we all there's a trade-off in everything because you know it's very rare that you have a you have a perfect decision that checks off all the boxes, right? So let me give you an example. Uh, this is in the fraud area. There's a lot of people uh, who are experiencing a lot more fraud these days, particularly around debit cards, and the 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 policies, if you will, often are in an operational area. And those folks will say, you know what, we need to, you know, really reduce our losses and let's put a lot more controls on our uh, debit card usage so that our, our fraud drops. So there might be some instances where, hey, if I have to leave the state, I can't use my debit card unless I call in, right? So on the one hand, you might be reducing fraud or operational risk by having more controls in place, but you've traded off by increasing your strategic risk. Why? Because you've made it more difficult for the member to do business with you. In some respects, you may be, in some instances, I should say, you might be pissing them off. So that's a strategic risk because they may say, you know what, either I'm going to leave or, you know what, I'm not going to use your debit card anymore. Right? So on the one hand, I might have reduced operational risk, but on the other hand, I've reduced, or excuse me, I've increased strategic risk. So, but oftentimes we don't bring all those two together to say, hey, what is the net risk profile? based off of this decision. And by having ERM in place, because a, a big part of ERM is around governance. You know, How do we make decisions? Who's the owner? How do we measure the impact of those decisions? By having those kind of components of ERM in place, it helps us not only make better decisions, but also measure the impact of those decisions going forward. Does that make sense? It does. It's a heavy subject, but you provided a good breakdown. ERM, there's a lot of opportunities Mm-hmm. that are out there. It is a model. It's comprehensive. And I really like the way that you've uh, described that. So Vincent Huey, thank you very much for being part of the Q's podcast. On behalf of the Q's organization and our listeners, we thank you for your time and insights. All right. You're very welcome, James. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes to receive the newest episodes as soon as they are available. For more talent development content from Q's, visit C-U-E-S dot org now if you are a Q's member you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development visit cues.org slash membership to learn more Q's is an international credit union association our mission is to educate and develop credit union ceos directors and future leaders to learn how Q's can help you realize your potential visit cues.org today